Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, joining me is my co-host, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today, James Johnson. Jay, we are back here, just the two of us this week after a couple of weeks in a row of really, really awesome guests. Shout out to everybody that's joined us over the last couple of weeks. But this week, we're back to just you and me. Uh, because we have some actual football to talk about and man I, I cannot wait yeah we do albeit preseason football and very limited starter type of football but nonetheless it's it's uh football that we could talk about and kind of break down and assist and uh you know kind of just talk about what we saw and see if the fans agree with it or whatever the case may be man so like I was real excited about this episode because it's been so long since we've actually talked about the stuff on the field and, uh, yeah, man, I've gone over, um, as I was telling you and I've put on Twitter, I've grown, gone over the first two series uh, for offense and defense about three to four times. And I've seen the game initially, or at least most of it initially, uh, live. So we'll be talking about that, man. Got some fun stuff to talk about and who looked good and who looked bad and some other topics that uh, – uh, came around this time as well. So, um, as always, man, we appreciate everybody for listening and tuning in. And uh, we ask that you continue to rate, comment, subscribe, and all of that good stuff. And uh, uh, let us know how y'all feeling about uh, what we're doing on this end. That's right. We're not only going to discuss the game, but also, of course, just some news over the last couple of weeks. And then we got to talk about the cuts uh, because a pretty uh, big name, of course, you guys all know by now, came up in that first round of roster moves. So we'll get to that here in just a moment. As Jay mentioned, if you guys are listening over on Apple podcast and have left us a five-star review, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And if you are listening and you're enjoying and you're listening on your iPhone, your Apple device, whatever it may be, please consider leaving us a five-star review. If you haven't already, it is one of the best ways you can support the show. Of course, we are also on Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. And of course you can find us at believe.com and at believe podcast as part of the awesome believe podcast library. You can find myself on social media, Phil, the Filipino F I L I P I N O Jay's over at sports grind underscore Don, and you can tweet the show at believe in Jags pod as well. And then before we get started, of course, we have to give a shout out to our sponsor bet online. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So with that being said here, Jay, let's talk about the actual game that went down here over the weekend. Cleveland Browns coming into town to face the Jacksonville Jaguars. And of course, that meant we were finally going to get to see Trevor Lawrence and the offense on the field, as well as, as, well as some of the other new additions, uh, at least a few of them for the most part uh, here throughout the day. Now, uh, we will be leaning or I will be leaning mostly on you for this because I've seen very limited amounts of the game. I was actually out of town over the weekend and have not had a chance to go back and look at a, the whole the game in full. I have not seen, but I have seen bits and pieces of it. But Jay, as you just mentioned, you know, you have gone back and you have watched the first couple of drives a few times now. So we're going to go ahead and, you know, address some takeaways that you had. And of course, we got to start with, you know, the elephant in the room, the most important thing. And that was the debut of Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, just looking here at the box score, it's not necessarily anything that really, really pops out six and nine, 71 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He did take a couple of sacks as well as, you know, a sack early on right out of the gate. So, you know, Jay, of course, that is what people are going to come here to listen to 
What were your takeaways when it came to Trevor in those first couple of drives and what you saw out there? Yeah, so, I mean, what I think the biggest takeaway I had from Trevor's, uh, you know, his debut in the preseason and his debut in the NFL in general uh, was, and, and this was my initial takeaway, was just the ability uh, to get out of bad situations, you know. And that's something that has really, really hurt us, probably because we've had bad defenses. But we've seen opposing quarterbacks, right, uh, just drive a stake in our hearts on crucial third down moments. You know, even the moments where it's third and long. And, you know, as a Jags fan, you're you're always, or as a Jag fan, you're always uh, having it in the back of your mind that, hey, even on third and long, especially with Todd Wash being our former defensive coordinator, this team is going to convert on us. And nine times out of ten, you're right. And that's what Trevor Lawrence was able to do. Like, he showed that trait of being able to convert on third down and just get out of a messy situation. His first snap in the NFL, uh, he was sacked, fumbled the ball, uh, luckily recovered it because that would have been a bad way to start things off. And then two plays later on third down, he works his way back up the field. And on that third down, he converts with um, Marvin Jones Jr., who he hit on a little out route as he was kind of going out of bounds or whatever the case may be. So we saw that. We also saw him convert to third down where he hit Marvin Jones Jr. on a, um, I guess you could say it was kind of a scramble drill, even though he didn't scramble. But, uh, I mean, scramble in a sense that uh, the receivers ran their routes initially. Nobody was open, and they had to reroute themselves and run new routes, which uh, you don't like to see because that means people aren't getting open. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they were able to reroute. Marvin Jones Jr. took, uh, I, I guess he uh, he, he kind of went vertical up the field. Trevor Lawrence read it perfectly, and that was your big 30-yard uh, or 35-yard catch that uh, everybody has been raving about. So, I mean, overall, not perfect. As uh, Urban Meyer said, he held on to the ball a little too long. Um, and, and, you know, it, it was a time. I know that first sack with A.J. Cann, uh, A.J. Cann didn't get the best uh, block or the cleanest block on Sheldon Day there. Maybe it's because Sheldon Day knows A.J. Cann well at this point, former Jaguar there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it, it's kind of varied. A lot of people say, you know, Trevor could have got that ball off, uh, not necessarily to make a completion, but just to get it off and, uh, you know, not take the sack. And then there's some people that say, hey, he, he might have, you know, might have been right to hold on to it. So that was one play where, you know, I think he probably could have got that off and just kind of uh, threw it in the dirt near LaVisca Chenault personally. Um, and, it, you know, it, it was other plays here and there that, you know, obviously he showed there was a lot to work on. I mean, it was his first game for crying out loud. But overall, I mean, I, I like the poise that he showed. And I think that's the most important trait if you're looking for a positive trait to take from uh, his performance on Saturday. And that's something we've actually talked about over the last couple of days here, Jay, is this something, you know, even though I haven't, again, haven't seen the full game, I did see Trevor's reps. And, you know, specifically when we talk about the Marvin Jones play that everybody was raving about his ability to stand in the pocket and go through his progressions. And that is something as you Jaguar fans, fellow Jaguar fans know, it's something we haven't really seen a lot of. And it's a little bit sad that we got so excited about a guy that's standing strong in the pocket. He also had a really, you know, he had a really clean pocket as well. Let's give credit to the offensive line who definitely did struggle. But on that play specifically, they gave him some time and he was able to find Marvin Jones, you know, who he, you know, he's, he definitely trusts. We've seen the chemistry build up between the two of them. And it was really nice. And I know that fans can attest to this as well when I say, and Jay, you know this as well, when we have talked about and, and looking back at the preseason debuts of Blake Bortles and Blaine Gabbert and seeing guys that are just scared, even though it was early on in preseason. From, from that day on, Jay, specifically with Blaine Gabbert, and I wonder if anyone else felt this way too, we were very, very, very worried. And, you know, even though he didn't have a all world performance or he didn't flash like guys like Trey Lance and, you know, Mac Jones and um, uh, who was the oh, Justin Fields did, you know, we still feel pretty good because there was enough, at least in my opinion, enough to take away from this to think, okay, we definitely have something here. Yeah. On that play specifically too, like, you know, like sometimes when you watch and film, you have to take, for me, I took the the completion out of the equation at first. 
And, you know, eventually I added the completion into it, but I took the completion out of the equation at first. And what really stood out to me was the man had been sacked twice before that. And he stood in the pocket for six seconds, at least that I counted, uh, poised as if he was behind an elite offensive line, you know, like, a you know, a line that had been keeping them clean all day. And um, again, you know, a lot of that was because, you know, the receivers weren't open. Uh, but, you know, that that presence of mind to know that the offensive line has you and that they're going to keep you clean. Um, they got your back. You have six, says, uh, six seconds in the pocket. That presence of mind is something we haven't seen. You know, I, I tweeted you and Boogie, and, I you know, I I wasn't joking about this. I was dead serious. I tweeted you and Boogie, or not even tweeted, I, I text you and Boogie in the thread. And I was like, dude, like, I felt like Gardner Minshew would have been back there tap dancing, you know, for that whole six seconds. Uh, maybe he would have made the completion too, but at the same time, Gardner Minshew doesn't have the physical arm strength that Trevor Lawrence does either. So I don't even know if he could have made the pass either, if you want to put the pass into the equation. So that's, you know, when I put the tweet out uh, on that play, that's what I was talking about. It's like he offers the uh, the physical arm strength that Gardner Minshew doesn't. And also, you know, like he may have a, we'll see, you know, it's just his first game. But it appears he has that poise and pocket presence uh, that a lot of people have complained with with Gardner Minshew and other quarterbacks, as you just said, of the past. So, I mean, that was a, like that one play alone um, kind of just alleviated a lot off of everybody's mind just seeing him stick in the pocket like that. And, um, you know, we'll see if they can, um, you know, have a better game against the New Orleans Saints, who have a better defense, by the way. Uh, but, you know, we, we hope that they can clean some things up and uh, maybe even get a touchdown drive this time. I think that was the most thing, the thing that people were most upset about is we didn't come away from this one with a touchdown. I'm sure that's what they're going to be hoping for against the New Orleans Saints. And uh, we'll see how they fare against that unit, which is like a top 10 unit in the NFL. So let's move into the rest of the team here, Jay. Of course, we've already talked about Marvin Jones and his ability to recognize you know, immediately that, uh, you know, Trevor needed to, he, he needed to adjust on that play. But what else stood out for you as far as positives? And then maybe we'll look at, you know, negatives or maybe opportunities as well. So what else either on the offensive or defensive side stood out to you? Maybe anybody that is trying to fight for a roster spot that maybe did themselves some favors uh, over the weekend. Yeah, so the two biggest standouts for me personally, um, I don't know about everybody else. You know, everybody else has uh, different takeaways. Well, well, before I get to those big uh, two big standouts, I guess there is one that should come before that on the defensive side, and that's C.J. Henderson, who we're going to talk about later. Uh, he clear-cut and dry looked like the best cornerback on the field, and he looked like the best cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Shaquille Griffin did not look bad either. Um, so what I'm saying is that pairing has a lot of potential, and that was the pairing we were hoping for. Uh, but then, you know, these trade rumors came up. Again, we'll talk about that later with uh, surrounding uh, C.J. Henderson's name. But uh, right now, man, the way he played, man, it, it's like you got to keep that guy. So – uh, it was good to see him, you know, focused and honed in and, you know, um, no distractions or whatever the case may be. Uh, getting back to the player we saw last year, you remember when you asked me, Phil, as a Georgia Bulldog fan, who do I feel is the better cornerback for this team to start when we drafted Tyson Campbell? Is it Tyson Campbell or C.J. Henderson? I straight up told you, C.J. Henderson. And when he's playing at his best, which we, you know, it looks like he – was definitely doing that on Saturday. When he's playing his best, man, he's a talented young man. He definitely, you know, you could see it last year. When he flashed at, at times last year, he definitely should have been a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, it's just some of the other things that have gotten in the way. And uh, hopefully we're past all of that. We'll see. Time will tell. But it was just good to see him out there and proving, uh, you know, his worth and proving his top 10 status as a top 10 draft pick. Uh, to the new staff who, uh, you know, they've been giving him more reps uh, occasion. I mean, you know, throughout the process of training camp since he's returned. And now he's running with the ones. I think he was running with the ones last week, too. So that's a good thing. That's a good sign. And two other defensive standouts I saw. The one, Smoot had two pressures. Uh, and, again, these are from the first two series that 
You know, that's the, those are the series that I watched the most. DeJuan Smoot had two pressures, and he looks like he's going to be a force for Joe Cullen in this scheme, even more so than a lot of people think. Uh, and he may be one of the guys that can have more of an impact, um, and I'm not ready to, like, put this out there just yet as a concrete thing, but he might, he may be able to have more of an impact than like Chase on or, or Josh Allen with the way he played. And, uh, you know, you've been hearing about him in training camp, uh, playing opposite of Josh Allen and, uh, hearing about how he's looked in training camp and how people have praised that he's looking like a better player. Obviously the guys like him, Joe Cullen, the staff and this, that, and the other, the other guy was Adam Gotsis. He had two, if I'm not mistaken, run stuffs. I'm just kind of duplicating what we saw last year. A superb run defender. He's going to really, really help this team in terms of stopping the run. And overall, that's what the defense did well. They got gashed on a lot of screens uh, for a lot of yardage. But when it came to stopping the run, you could tell that this team, who invested a lot into the defensive line and invested a lot into the defense and free agency and the draft. You can tell that this team is going to be significantly better against the run, which is good in the AFC South. So uh, those were two of my top takeaways from the game in general. Yeah, CJ Anderson, as I saw, you know, just kind of keeping up with it on social media, people were certainly raving about him. And yeah, you know, he's definitely a guy and we talked about this when when Lori came on a couple of weeks ago. You know, we first off, we just hope that he is in a good mental state. And we're just assuming here just because we're going off of what we are seeing. But when we see him healthy and playing football, more often than not, he is making plays. And we saw T-Wig shoot off this tweet here, Jay, and I kind of want to get your opinion on it as well. I'm sure you saw it over the weekend that when C.J. Henderson is healthy and on the field, he is the best corner on the team. Do you agree with that, or do you lean more so toward Shaq Griffin because you did have him listed as, you know, a standout over the weekend as well? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, he he looks like a top-ten cornerback when he's on his game. Um, and, and, you know, Shaq Griffin was a third pick, a third-round pick. Uh, and that's not to knock Shaq Griffin and his skill set and to say, like, you know, his, his skill set is less superior. But, yeah, like, if you're talking about, like, from a pure talent standpoint, yeah, man, C.J. Henderson um, is a guy that probably, yeah, is the best corner on this roster. Um, I don't want to say easily or anything like that because Shaq, Shaq Griffin has experience. He He's seen way more than C.J. But in terms of talent, yeah, I agree with T-Wig there, man. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to see them as a pairing, you know, and I can't wait to also see what they do in terms of that nickelback position because Trey Herndon got hurt. So um, I don't know if they're going to be trying Sidney Jones out there. I read somewhere, I think it was Jamal St. Cyr said they were using Sidney Jones as uh, the nickelback. And, again, they also have Tyson Campbell. A lot of things they can do, a lot of talent there. Um, and a lot to be excited about in terms of that cornerback group. Certainly very exciting. And then, yeah, like you said, you know, a, a team that's been, that knows it had to invest into the run game, seeing positives out of that as well. So, you know, let's go to the other side here, Jay, as far as opportunities go. And I do want to go back to a guy that we mentioned a little bit earlier, just very, very briefly when we were talking about, I believe we mentioned him. I may have just been reading the article that you had up here, actually. Uh, but we're talking. I want to talk about Gardner Minshew because C.J. Beathard definitely outplayed him. Now they were. I'm not sure. And you can tell me if they were playing the same defenses at the same time. But you know, as far as Gardner Minshew goes, we definitely think that he. I'm in favor. If it comes to it, I am in favor of keeping Gardner Minshew around. He's proven that he can do it on the highest level. Maybe not in the consistent basis to be a full time starter, but I would be okay with keeping him around. Now, if they're not going to do that, they want to show that he has some value and trade value and, you know, make him uh, available to other teams. And he certainly didn't do this as far as the first game goes. So what do you think about Gardner Minshew? You know, we'll just do a really short takeaway on that and then we'll move into other parts of the, you know, of the, of the team as far as opportunities. But really briefly, is that a, any concern there as far as Minshew? And if they do want to unload him, this certainly didn't help. I don't know. I don't think. It hurt him, and it, he's one of the parts of the game that I need to go back and watch a little bit more extensively because when he took the field, I was watching, but at the same time I was writing. So, like, you're, you're there, but you're not there type of, <laughs> type of deal. 
Um, but yeah, I don't think he, right. I don't think he necessarily hurt himself in ter- because like at this point, people know what he is. I hope people know what he is. Um, it's still some people out there that think he is the guy that we saw in the rookie season in his rookie season where there wasn't a lot of film on him. Um, you know, where he could make a lot of plays outside of the pocket, this, that, and the other. But when people figured him out and kept him in the confines of the pocket, you know, we, we saw him for his limitations. And, and look, like you said, he's a guy that you, you probably want to keep. I would say if you don't get a third-round pick or better, you probably want to keep. Um, I know, like, he might not agree with that or whatever the case may be. But as you were saying, like, he's a guy that – May not be consistent, but he's a guy like if you need somebody to come in for three, four games, he could get you two wins or maybe three wins in a six game stretch or, you know, maybe a two in a three game stretch or something like that, which is what you need. You just want somebody to keep your head above water while your starter, uh, you know, rehabs or whatever the case may be and, and eventually comes back. So I think like for people who understand him for what he is and don't, Go off of like the twenty, what was that twenty nineteen season? His rookie season. Um, if you don't go off of that, and it's a lot of casual fans that do and think that like with the right team, and he very well could, you know, with the right team, he might could flourish with a good defense or whatever the case may be. But if you understand him for what he is, um, and that's predominantly what we saw in what twenty twenty, um, then I think, you know, he won't be overvalued. To answer your question. Yeah, certainly struggled. He had the only interception between any of the six quarterbacks from both teams that played. Uh, but it, as far as, you know, moving away from the quarterbacks here, Jay, what other areas of concern did you have? Now, of course, you know, only three preseason games this year. And, you know, this is the time of year where everybody is, you know, maybe overreacting. But what are some things that you saw on the field that maybe uh, had a little a little cause for concern you know, it definitely seemed like the coaching staff was not very happy with how the offense was looking. They've made some adjustments uh, throughout training camp this week or throughout practice this week, we should say. So, you know, what are some things that maybe stood out that they definitely need to correct before we finally suit up for the real thing next month? Yeah, I want to see the receivers get more separation. That was one. Um, Urban Meyer personally said he wants to see the offense play with more tempo. Uh, which, you know, that makes sense because Urban is coming from the college realm. And, you know, that's that's kind of what they do there. You know, it's tempo, tempo, tempo. So he didn't, he said he don't want to be like one of these slow, lethargic type of offenses, uh, which, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, like how they come out against the Saints and what kind of tempo they come out with. And, you know, a lot of this was too is this wasn't the Jags offense. And Urban Meyer came out and said it. You know, they're trying not to show their hand, really, in terms of the playbook and this, that, and the other. They're trying to keep a lot of that under wraps. And Urban Meyer, you know, he kind of didn't agree with that. You know, he was asking, you know, whoever is on the staff that he asked, maybe Bevel, uh, maybe uh, Schottenheimer, like, why can't we show our hand? Like, why can't we go uh, full throttle offense and, and show what we're about here in this preseason game? And, um, you know, again, that's just because – the NFL is always watching. Um, they have staffs that, you know, study teams two weeks in advance. The Houston Texans are already looking at us, basically, is what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, like you just want to catch people by surprise. The element of surprise can be your best friend uh, if you're a, a team that's implementing a new offense or defense or whatever the case may be. They can help you get off to a fast start, especially for a Jacksonville Jaguars team uh, that only won one game last year. And, look, Urban Meyer has come out to say uh, they want they expect to win. So use that element of surprise uh, in your favor. Catch some teams by surprise with what you could throw at them offensively and maybe win some games early that you shouldn't win. You know, like that's my standpoint on it, and that's how I feel about it. So I kind of understand why they kept things under wraps. But um, in, in terms of the defense, man, they got to, you know, and I'm sure they're going to work on this. I'm sure Cullen – cuss like everybody out literally in the film room they gotta work on stopping the screens man (laughs) they did well with stopping the run but nobody could recognize when a screen was going on or whatever the case may be nobody could get out there in space and bring the running back down they really struggled against that that's going to be a point of emphasis you have to feel because again as i said Teams like the Houston Texans are already watching the Jacksonville Jaguars trying to find out what we are about for week one. 
And they're going to see that, like, hey, this team really, really struggled in stopping the screen game. And they're going to try and do that um, and utilize that against us. The Browns did. They saw that the Jaguars couldn't stop it and kept going to it frequently. So that's something that I want to see on um, the defensive side. And also, I guess, like, this kind of goes into one of my takeaways, you know, that I had smaller takeaways. I want to see Andre Sisco start, you know, the game in terms of with the starters, with Shaq Griffin, uh, with C.J. Henderson, we'd hope. Uh, whoever they're going to put at Nickelback now that Trey Herndon's hurt. I want to see Andre Sisco out there with them because Andre Sisco had a good game. And um, I think he had one of the highest grades on PFF for the team um, for the preseason, which, I mean, it's, it's the preseason, but still. For a rookie, that's something to build upon, right? So I want to see him out there because, you know, I'm just tired of the Josh Jones experiment, man. Like, he missed a tackle that I saw when I was breaking down film. It was either in the first or second defensive series. Um, he's not good in coverage. We saw that last year. I don't understand, like, what's the – why teams or why the staff is always being enamored with bad safety play. Uh, you you know, you hear things like uh, Urban Meyer likes Dewey Wingard and this, that, and the other. It very well could be they, they offer value on special teams. But if that's the case, uh, we need somebody that can help us out on the defensive side because the safety position is a very important position. And uh, the tackling needs to be there and the ability to move around in space and make plays need to be there. You know, you don't need a guy that's a core special teamer out there because you will get exposed. So um, those are the things that I want to personally see on Monday uh, when we take on the Saints. Yeah, our only Monday night football game. Well, this one and the Cowboys one, I believe, are both on Monday night, correct? I think the Cowboys one might be on a Sunday, actually. I have to look that up, but I think it may be on a Sunday. Check in right now, actually. Let's see. Uh, 820. Yeah, Sunday uh, Sunday at 1. Okay, got it. So they'll both be on. That one will be on NFL Network. And then, yeah, the one at the Saints, of course, this next uh, next Monday is going to be on Monday Night Football. So, uh, yeah, um, again, uh, lots of takeaways here as far as positives and negatives i definitely didn't come away from this though jay which is i think one of the most important things i didn't come away from this just totally worried and thinking oh my god here we go again are are you still feeling relatively positive about this even though you know there were definitely some things that need to get cleaned up yeah yeah it's definitely some things that you say like i don't want that to happen in the regular season for sure and that definitely needs to get cleaned up asap and um needs to be addressed but I mean, like it's the preseason, man. Like it wasn't anything that made me like, oh man, like it's all doom and gloom. We're gonna be a one-win team again, or none of that. Because again, you know, it's a lot to clean up. It's a lot of unknowns too, man. Like you can't really put that much into the first preseason game with a new staff, with a new quarterback, um, a team that didn't really show their full offense or any of their offense at all. Like you really can't put that much into it. Um, at the same time, you do have to be mindful of the bad that you saw and the, the negative takeaways and uh, work on those and kind of drill those in practice. I think maybe the concern came from some people and maybe not even necessarily in our fan base, but it certainly didn't help that Trey Lance and Justin Fields went out there and played pretty well. Zach Wilson, from what I heard, was uh, pretty decent as well on his debut. So, But again, like you said, this is preseason and there's not necessary, you know, we can only really take too much away from it uh, because, of course, defenses are not, you know, fully sending their, you know, they're showing exactly what they're going to be doing during the regular season. Go ahead, Jay, and I need one more thing before we move on. Yeah, I mean, I watched the whole uh, Bears game, well, when Justin Fields was on the field. And one thing, you know, I want to be careful about that is Justin Fields was out there against the second and third team, you know, so... You know, like a lot of people don't get caught up in, yes, we post this stuff on Jaguars Wire because that's kind of our job. But don't get caught up in, you know, if somebody gave Trevor Lawrence a C grade or said Justin Fields had a better uh, week one preseason than Trevor Lawrence or whatever the case may be. Try not to put so much energy and time and effort into that. You know, that's that's for me to do. That's my job, okay? <laughs> like I know a lot of people were upset with some of the things that were coming out. You know what I'm saying about – you know, comparing Trevor Lawrence's preseason to the other quarterbacks and this, that, and the other. And, uh, yeah, that being said, man, let's just see how this all plays out. And we got two more preseason games, and then it's on to talking about actual uh, actual, rel- uh, actual, relative or relevant, should I say, football. 
I do know one thing, you know, that I heard Jay that was looking pretty good, which was Jeremiah Owusu Koromora, who is a guy that we mocked to the Jags a few times. Now, granted, you know, Shaq Quarterman and a couple of the other young linebackers have uh, have definitely been standing out, you know, hence the trading of Joe Schobert. But man, I know I, I saw him running around and I thought, man, I would really like to have JOK on this team. Yeah, he was getting after it, man, on um, on Saturday against us, man. I remember, of course, you saw this as well. Boogie texted us in the thread, man. JOK is killing it, man. I was like, yeah, Boogie, we see. We see. Well, you couldn't see it because you weren't watching. But, uh, right. yeah, I was like, yeah, Boogie, we see, man. He's out there killing it. Yeah, he's another, like, you know, if you're a guy that just want to watch, like, the preseason in general and, that, and just – like not solely your team. He's another guy to watch. There's a lot of cats out there, man, that was doing it uh big. Man, I heard uh Joe Tryon had a good a good class, man. Yeah, yeah, I heard it's a good class. Joe Tryon had a good game, I heard. At least that's what I uh saw on NFL network. They had gave him or they gave him a B plus again. Kind of my job to read that stuff. So I saw that and um it was some other guys that they praised. I didn't get to see Zach Wilson yet, uh, but I do know he led them to a field goal drive um they didn't score a touchdown with him in but didn't get to really see him or um didn't really get to see Trey Lance although I saw highlights of Trey Lance but yeah I mean I'll try and uh evaluate the other quarterbacks as well so I can come back with some insight on them and um maybe people can hear a comparison from me in terms of you know how the other quarterbacks and just the other rookies in general look in comparison to ours but I mean we got a lot to be happy about man like Cisco went out there and balled Tyson Campbell, even though he gave up a touchdown, uh, he made plays. Uh, Walker Little, who Urban Meyer said, you know, he had some things to work on. He's been lights out in camp, at least. Uh, we have a lot to be thankful for ourselves when it comes to the class that we have as well. And I think there's a lot of potential there, surprisingly, uh, for a Trent Baalke class. Hey, just remember, you guys got to go see the Jacksonville Jaguars play, and Trevor Lawrence was your quarterback. That definitely should be something. We should all be thankful for. Uh, but yeah, let's look into a couple of other things here, Jay, uh, to wrap up the second half of the episode. And we'll start with, you know, a player we just discussed who had a really, really great game. And uh, of course, that is CJ Henderson. Now, a couple of weeks ago, some reports came out that the Jaguars could possibly be interested in moving on from CJ Henderson. Now, since that has happened, you know, the coaching staff, Charlie Strong specifically has come out in support of him. And I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, still to this day, as of August 18th, 2021, we haven't necessarily heard anybody within the organization say they want to trade CJ or that they are not going to trade CJ, you know, haven't really seen anything either way. So what did you initially think when this came out? Now, I believe this was hot off the heels of us talking with Lori about, you know, his just his uh, demeanor and his body language and just the lack of seeing him at any of the Jaguar social media. You know, they're always so on top of things and they want to show how united this team is. And CJ has been noticeably absent. Now, granted, he did miss the beginning of camp and he has just recently returned within the last couple of weeks. But, you know, it was really like, where's CJ? What is he doing? Is he OK? What's going on? He unfollowed the Jaguars on Twitter and he refollowed the Jaguars on Twitter, all this kind of stuff. He's liking sad tweets, you know. And we're just getting kind of worried about him. And then the reports come out. So take us back a couple of weeks to when you first found out about this and, you know, how you feel now. Yeah, man, I, I personally felt like, you know, this was not the time for the Jaguars to have to deal with this because, uh, again, like we got a new, we have a new staff here that wants to win immediately. And, you know, here you have a top 10 talent, you know, that, was potentially being shipped. Now, look, the Jaguars, like you said, haven't come out to say that they were. Well, and and again, the report was specifically from Jerry, uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN that other teams believe that C.J. Henderson is being shipped, or or could be shipped, or could be traded, or whatever the case may be. He never said that the Jaguars uh, gave anybody that indication or said it directly, but teams were starting to believe it. Uh, so that being said, um, what a difference a week makes, right? Uh, he comes out there. He's he's healthy finally from the labrum surgery. Um, he's you know he's healthy from the COVID situation. That doesn't mean he necessarily had it because he was on COVID reserve. He could have been around somebody that had it, whatever the case may be. But he's been on the field, and and sometimes that's what these players need, right? 
is to get on the field and do what they love the most. And, you know, you could see, and, and even, you know, Boogie kind of pointed this out. It's the small things, too. We always, see, that's what different, uh, this is where we differ from other uh, podcasts on this kind of stuff. Is we pay attention to the small stuff. Boogie even pointed it out, and it was it was other people that did as well. When Lil Duval came to visit the team, and by the way, um, good job on Urban Meyer's part by bringing in these guests week after week or day after day who are pretty uh, renowned people. But you know, you see him smiling when Lil Duval come out and uh, make a couple of jokes with the team or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, just getting out on the field um, and, and doing what he loves best can allow him to focus on whatever may be going on with him and, uh, you know, maybe help him to hone in and uh, get on the right path. And and also that talk that Urban Meyer and Charlie Strong had with them, uh, they said they, you know, they talked to him uh, together as a duo, if I'm not mistaken. So, now, maybe he's on the, um, you know, the upswing now and all of the uh, negative things are maybe and hopefully behind him. He he can get back to doing what he loved. And uh, we'll see, man. Like, but, uh, you know, after Saturday, you got to feel that he's not getting traded. And then Trey Herndon got hurt as well. So there is that. But, I mean, he again, he's clearly one of the better players on this team when he's at his best. And uh, if you're Urban Meyer, again, and you're going to preach this message of I want to win immediately. We want the best players here. Uh, We want to improve on pass defense, this, that, and the other. Then you got to feel like C.J. Henderson sealed his fate when he went out there and had the game that he had against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I certainly don't see it happening here at this point. And like you said, you know, we've had a moment and a couple of weeks to let this thing settle and you know, it really just comes down to it's really as simple as, hey, let's wait till they get out on the field and see how things go. And again, as I mentioned, haven't necessarily gotten to see all of his plays, but certainly saw him out there making an impact. And like you mentioned, Jay, earlier, this is something we saw during the season. We saw him play well, of course, in the in week one. We saw him play well against Devontae Adams. You know, we have seen bits and pieces of why C.J. Henderson was taken in the top 10 and yeah at this point you know i certainly am an advocate for keeping a a group together you know in the secondary that consists of as much talented you know uh, people that we possibly can you know who knows what we're going to get out of Sidney jones of course he had a, a you know a great season last year but he still has the injury history and then you know you, know, you bring in shaq griffin who knows how who knows how he could benefit from a guy like shaq griffin who of course is overwhelmingly positive just has a personality that lights up the room you know do you think that that will help out a little bit you know uh, here jay as far as cj being in a room constantly with a you know with a secondary that includes guys like rayshon jenkins and shaq griffin yeah absolutely i mean but he has to allow that it's on him you know like a lot of things you hear and you know we don't like to go on rumors and all of that here but uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that he may be a little bit of an introvert. And, um, you know, so it's, it, with introverts, it's about, you know, and I've told you about this for myself. I, I used to be an introvert. Um, it's about allowing people to come into your life and help you out and uh, bring positivity in it and, and change your life for the better. So, you know, that that's really on him. But the examples, like you said, are there. You know, even though, like you said, Sidney Jones – as an injury history, you would think he's going to make this team. He's, you know, he's been a guy that uh, they've liked on the field and, and this, that, and the other. But, uh, you know, you got you have the guy, these guys like Sidney, um, like uh, Shaq Griffin, like uh, Rayshon Jenkins, just very vibrant personalities uh, that definitely can help him get his stuff together on the field and uh, that will definitely be good teammates for him, too, off the field, too. That's what you need, too, is people who care about you off the field as well. And, um, you know, I think, you know, as much as we've critiqued Urban Meyer's rosters in the past and some of the things that's going on there, uh, one thing we can say, especially for CJ's situation, he's in a, a, a DB's group that has a lot of the right people there. And just that locker room in general that, um you know, if he allows them to uh, be in his life and, you know, help him on and off the field, uh, they definitely can make things better for him if he's going through something off the field or whatever the case may be that he's going through. Um, they definitely have the pieces in place and coaching staff as well. Charlie Strong hit on that as well. 
uh, that can help him through uh, whatever he's dealing with. I think one thing we can certainly all agree on is that we hope that we want CJ, of course, to be successful, not because it means uh, not because it will mean positive things for the team, but also himself. He certainly seems like an introverted person. And remember, I mean, uh, you were talking about the little Duval pictures there, Jay. I mean, you saw Jaguar Twitter just kind of react and get really excited just to see CJ Henderson smile. And I think that's really wholesome. And it shows that the fan base wants him to thrive and wants him wants him to succeed there. I mean, I don't know how you felt about it, but like like I said, it was just really nice to see everybody happy to see CJ happy. And I think that's really important. Yeah, they need to have little Duval like there is like <laughs> no, nah, it, it actually wouldn't uh, match up with with the kind of <laughs> the kind of uh, language he uses. I was about to say they need him as like the team chaplain or something right. like that to keep the positivity going <laughs> on. But they need to they need to keep him around the facility for sure, man. If he can make uh you know if he can make the whole team react like that and smile like that, man, like uh you know he'll be a definitely a, a positive influence if you keep him around the team on like a, a routine job type of deal. Then again, I don't know. He's a busy dude, man. He used to do a lot of work with MTV and. Uh, all of those other venues and whatnot. But, um, yeah, man, that was good to see, man. And, um, I mean, it's also good to see a, a celebrity rep in Jacksonville because, you know, it ain't a lot of them out there that are fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, there's a little Duval and then Cody Rhodes for, like, a year. And <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't really mentioned the Jaguars at all, I don't think, lately, <laughs> at least that I have seen. I don't know. Maybe now that Cody is, quote-unquote, retired, maybe he can come back and start watching the Jacks again. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, just those those two guys. But, uh, yeah, of course, we'll continue to monitor C.J. Henderson and, of course, keep you updated with everything that's going on. But let's move into the last topic here of this episode, Jay, and that is the roster moves that were made uh, just yesterday. And um, some of you are going to be really sad. Of course, you guys know what we're going to talk about. Uh, but the Jaguars didn't make the following roster moves yesterday, August 17th. Cornerback DJ Daniel was waived. Josh Imaterbebe, wide receiver, was waived. Tim Jones waived. Daniel Ross was placed on the reserve injured list. And one tight end, Tim Tebow, was waived as well. Now, we have, we've all seen the video from the weekend. Everybody has broken it down. I think Austin Lane did it the best, though, Jay. I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you guys know what we're talking about as well. Austin Lane definitely did the best job of breaking down Tim Tebow's block or lack thereof. Uh, but those are the those are the roster moves that were made. Now, of course, we're going to talk about Tim Tebow here right out of the gate. And, you know, we've seen a lot of reaction here. Some people happy that this is over. Some people claiming that he didn't get enough time, which is just absolutely ridiculous. He's been here for months. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some people just kind of uh, not really necessarily understanding how football works is is what I took away from this. And, you know, there are casual fans out there that, of course, were really excited. And, you know, there are some fans out there that spent a lot of money on a Tim Tebow jersey that are now not going to get their money back. But you know what? That was a personal choice that you made. So, Jay, as far as one Timothy Tebow and any of the other names that were mentioned here, uh, what, do you, uh, what were your initial reactions when these uh, when this list came out? Yeah, first I want to touch on the jersey things. I don't understand why everybody's upset. Um, well, first and foremost, you never go get a jersey of a player that was just picked up off the street and expect them to make the team. But even right. so, like, <laughs> like even so, though, even if that's the case, like, I don't understand why people are upset that they can't get refunds and whatnot. Like, if you are a diehard Tim Tebow fan, like you say you are, and obviously don't you want you, the jersey anyway. Right, right, exactly. Uh, for memorabilia, and I mean, you know, Tim Tebow does a lot of events. Go get it signed. Go get it's it's a valuable piece of uh, memorabilia. I mean, yeah, he didn't look all that great on the field, but like people will pay good money for a signed Tim Tebow jersey. Or I mean, that's something that could go hanging up in your house. It could be framed if you truly are the Tim Tebow fan that you say you are. Instead of getting mad with the Jaguars, why not just turn that that jersey into a nice piece of memorabilia? I mean, the sports fan in me. You I'm, better have, if you're a Tebow fan, you better have a Broncos, Jets, Patriots, Jaguars, and whatever the hell that baseball team he played for is. You better have all those jerseys. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and again, man, like he has so many events around the city. Just go get that thing signed, man. And you got 
a piece of uh of history, if you will, of when he played with the Jacksonville Jaguars or when he was temporarily with them. So, um, I mean, that's my advice to the folks that's just mad about going and buying a jersey or whatnot. I mean, that look, me and you are like big time sports fanatics. We always find out what to do uh with with pieces of jerseys or you know pieces of memorabilia that we got uh that really didn't necessarily pan out like we thought they would. But hey. We figure it out, right? I mean, that's just a sports fan in us. Um, in terms of, um, you know, Tim Tebow and uh, what we saw on the field, like, I mean, was there any other choice after the the film that they had on him? That play that we saw where he was doing the helicopter, the play afterwards, I don't know if you've seen the play afterwards, it was just as bad. Uh, Shannon and Skip broke that down, and, of course, Skip, was trying to make his case for Tim Tebow and Shannon, a former tight end, by the way. Like, how are you going to sit there and tell a former tight end what the position is supposed to look like? But, you know, nonetheless, Skip Bayless being the stand that he is, trying to make his side of the story or whatever the case may be or explain his case. I mean, I guess, you know, it's for TV. They got to get views and this, that, and other. But, you know, that was just kind of bizarre, his little. Also, if you're still watching a Skip Bayless debate, you should reevaluate your television choices <laughs> you, you probably I promise right. there's better choices out there you're right you're right you can spend your time doing something much much more productive unless you go there for shannon and go there for a laugh or two or whatever the case may be um but yeah i mean that was pretty much uncle, it i mean like uncle shay sharp yeah uncle shay sharp but that was pretty much it man um you know like i said it was no way that he could put up that kind of film and come back the um you know and come back and not get cut because it would have been a lot of people questioning Urban Meyer and like he could have lost the team for not cutting Tim Tebow after that um because again man just didn't look the most natural as a receiver like people were talking about like oh uh Tavon Austin took his only pass or uh, he didn't get the ball thrown to him a lot or they didn't even look at him well he didn't even look like a natural receiver when he ran routes and this was something that we talked about with Laurie. Um, when uh, it was a week ago, we talked with Laurie about this. Nothing that he did looked natural to the tight end position, aside from maybe when he engaged in blocks here and there. But he 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 didn't run routes the most potent as you would like a receiver to do or a tight end to do. And then we saw in live action he didn't have the blocking aspect of it downs. And and then also. Lastly, and certainly not least, something that Urban Meyer talked about. If you're going to be a second stringer, well, guess what? You're going to have to contribute on special teams. Tim Tebow saw zero snaps as a special teamer in Saturday's game, whereas every other tight end, even the two guys that, you know, you'll say are the top two on the depth chart, James O'Shaughnessy, Chris Manhurst, at least saw one to two snaps on special teams. So you have to contribute. If you're not going to be a top player at your position. You're not going to be a starter on offense or defense. You have to contribute as a special teamer if you're going to stick. And that made it easy for the Jazz. He's never played on special teams. He's never made a tackle. He didn't, by the way, he didn't look like he wanted to hit anybody. And, um, you know, you can't, that that can't happen at a tight end position. Uh, it, requ- it requires some physicality. Um, if you're not one of these guys like Travis Kelsey or whatever the case may be, and even they get a little physical sometimes. They get a little nasty. But you can't play the position the way that he played it on Saturday and uh, also put anybody else's career in jeopardy. You know, a lot of people brought that up, too. And not, and not only that, his career in jeopardy. He wasn't playing the game in the most safest manner either, uh, if you want to go that far with it. So, like, you, there should have been concerns for him, too. Not just the people he, would block, he was blocking for, but for him, too. So when you put all of that, and um, you take all of that into account and what Urban said and what we saw, it just had to be done, man. So um, that's not to say we don't wish the man the best. He's going to continue to make money. He's going to continue to uh, be on ESPN. He's going to continue to be successful. Uh, but his time with the Jacksonville Jaguars just had to come to an end. And um, we'll see if he uh, chooses any other endeavors in the sports community in terms of playing uh, but you have to think that's probably it. And that's okay if it is. You know, he'll still continue to be a polarizing figure, get his money, and uh, continue to, you know, help the community as well. Uh, next year's starting small forward for the Orlando Magic, 
Tim Tebow <laughs> calling it. <laughs> Maybe he's going to give basketball a shot, Jay. Maybe that's what's next here. Well, we already saw list. what he could do at a tight end position, which is a basketball-related position, so I wouldn't bank on that either. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's true. So that is very true. I'm just saying. And, and I'm glad. I'm really glad. Right, and I'm glad you mentioned, and a lot of people mentioned this, was the special teams thing. That should have been the writing on the wall. And even if you're listening and you're a casual fan, that should have been the writing on the wall right there for Tim Tebow when he did not trot out there for special teams even once. And we'll say this too. You know, he did not look good at all in training camp. Like, yes, he did catch like a touchdown or two here and there and during some drills, but just working out on the sideline, you know, Jay, the one day that I got to attend that one, you know, they were doing the tight end drills right in front of us and he's dropping easy passes from not even a quarterback, just, you know, one of the equipment managers and he's dropping those tiny little passes. You know, he's getting thrown around by Chris Mannertz, who definitely made it seem like he wasn't too happy that Tim was there. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but just, you know, Chris is is there to prove a point. He's not going to let, you know, any kind of preconceived no notions or friendship with Tim Tebow that he may have forged, may or may not have forged, get in the way. He's he's just not throwing his weight around. And just like you said, we talked about with Lori a couple weeks ago, nothing that he did looked like a tight end. He looked like, you know, just a big dude who was out of his element. And that's what happened here. Like you said, if he makes it to the next round of roster cuts, you know, and then it's it's just a bad look. And then, you know, the last thing I'll say on it here, Jay, is, and I put this on my social media over the last couple of days, if you truly believe that Tim Tebow was cut over just one missed block, then you haven't really been paying attention because as of everything, you know, everything that I just mentioned, it just wasn't going to work. Good for him for trying. This proves that it was pretty much a, you know, relatively low-risk uh, you know, low risk a situation that he was in. You bring him in, you give him a shot. It didn't work out. And here we are. So I apologize to all you Tebow fans that are in comments of, you know, or on social media saying, well, I guess I won't be going to any more games or I won't be doing anything like this, or I won't be watching the team like this or like that. Plenty of people are going to be watching the team because of Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> so I, I promise you, this will not have the impact that you think that it does. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, you kind of touched on something, too, with, you know, his size. Man, you can't be that big and don't want to hit nobody. You know, that's the point-blank period in football, man. You're got <laughs> you you're gonna have to hit somebody. Wasn't that the whole thing is everyone was like, oh, look how big Tebow is. Right, right. And we all know, that's the crazy part, we all know that he's physical. He has the physicality. Um, but I, I guess it's a little different when you're not the one dishing out the, you know, the pain – and uh, you you have to do the blocking or whatever the case may be, which, you know, he look again like it just looked like he did not want to get that part of the game uh, down pat, you know, like he should have. And um, again, you know, if you can't do that, then you got to go on special teams and tackle or hit somebody or something. And when you can't do neither, then, you know, you lose a roster spot. So and again, like you said, something about, uh, you know, a lot of people saying like, uh, he didn't have enough time or whatever. It's, it's people out there that get cut quicker than he did, that get less time than he did. You know, it's people that come on a team for, you know, they'll they'll be on the team. Marquise Lee was one of them. We recently just saw that. Marquise Lee was on, I think it was uh, either the Chargers or the 49ers for three or four days. Three or four days. So that's just the reality of the league. Some people get way less time than he got. And, I mean, I think it's a situation where had Tim Tebow maybe started to try uh, or make an attempt at a tight end position in, like you said, in a podcast before 2014-ish, 2013-ish, something like that, uh, maybe he could have got it down. But, again, like, as we said with Laurie, uh, even, even then, you know, as a quarterback, he didn't look like he would translate to being a uh, natural tight end. So it kind of confused us, like, where the notion came from that he should, he should switch to tight end or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, it's an experiment of the past, and, um, you know, it's time to move on and uh, see what Trevor Lawrence and the new-look Jacksonville Jaguars can do. That's right, guys. So the Tebow 
experiment is over. Uh, did you have anything to add on, Jay, about any of these other names here? Of course, DJ Daniel, Tim Jones, Daniel Ross, uh, Josh, uh, E Matter Bebe, which I, I did not hear you compliment me on for my pronunciation, my, my correct pronunciation of his name. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to keep, by the way, and good job on that. <laughs> I would love to keep uh, Josh and Matter Bebe. Um, I think, <laughs> I think like, what, was he waived, waived slash injured? So I'm thinking, like, they'll be able to stash him on IR eventually. And uh, the, th- the same applies for Tim Jones as well. Neither one of those people played according to the PR release they sent us. Uh, so they were injured, even though they didn't specify what the injuries were. But those two didn't play in the game. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the Jaguars can keep them and stash them. Whatever the case may be, um, maybe they can bring them back later in the season. Uh, but yeah, those are the two names I would watch in terms of that, uh, especially a matter of baby because, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence actually linked up with him for a few passes, and I mean, like this dude has like a record high vertical combine leap. Just really hasn't had the opportunity due to injury to go out there and show what he's capable of. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's pretty much wraps it up here for this week's episode. You guys, of course, we wanted to break down the game and also some of the topics that have been building up over the last couple of weeks. And then, of course, we'll be back next week to talk about the second preseason game against the New Orleans Saints and anything else that comes up. And, of course, the next round of roster cuts when that starts to come up as well. Jay, we'll pretty much wrap it up here. Is there anything else that you wanted to discuss before we you know, end the episode for the week? Nah, man, we'll continue to monitor the roster, the news, um, who uh, is in the next wave of cuts. As you've already said, um, uh, start looking forward to the regular season as well. Um, of course, you know, they have to get to the final 53-man roster before that, of course. Excuse me. Of course, we'll be all over that as well. But um, right now, in terms of the content that's on the site, go feel free to check that out. I have a, um, you know, post preseason week one roster prediction out after the first five cuts feel free to check that out share that uh retweeted all that good stuff and we'll have more in terms of you know looking towards the saints game uh, which will take place in new orleans it's um again that's probably going to be the most important preseason game of the year probably will be the game where we see the most starters um because you probably it probably be wise to save the starters on that last preseason game against uh, Dallas and, you know, kind of prevent injury or whatever the case may be. You, of course, give some guys a shot that are bubble players that make can make the roster, but the starters, you might want to withhold them from that game. But um, we'll see what goes on these next two weeks, man. A lot of exciting football to be played. And, uh, you know, as always, we can't wait to cover it. Absolutely. And uh, I will not forget to uh, record this game uh, this time around. It was a very, very busy weekend. Uh, For those of you, if any of you follow me on social media, you know, I was down at Megacon down there in Orlando. So that was a whole lot of fun. And in the, you know, just the madness of getting down to Orlando and getting ready, I totally forgot to set my DVR and that was on me. And, uh, but we will be having a, uh, of course, uh, you know, the NFL game pass and all that stuff set up here before the regular season starts. So, won't be um, you know don't have to worry about that much longer I, I i am very excited as well for all of you that know uh, i would be my first year as a season ticket holder uh, myself and my buddy and our buddy eric cerna who jay we should probably bring back here in the next couple of weeks now that i think of it we should probably do another round of you know hot takes before we head into the season yeah yeah man and we we want to hear uh how eric is feeling after tim tebow has been relieved out the team by the way that's a joke okay even though he's a <laughs> yeah. gators fan by the way uh, he did. He uh, admittedly, he did say like, you know, he didn't expect anything to come of this whole, uh, this this whole thing with Tim Tebow on this whole project. So, uh, yeah, man, it'll be dope to have him on. And I mean, yeah, like you said, uh, you hit the nail on the head. We have roster, not uh, roster predictions, but uh, the season predictions of uh, what we think the record will be, and you know, bold takes and all of that. Definitely should have Eric on for that. Yeah, maybe we'll do both things. We'll do, uh, you know, some hot takes and also look at the season as a whole as far as record predictions and Super Bowl picks and all of that stuff. But thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of Believe in the Jaguars here on the Believe Podcast Network. 
My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. That's James Johnson. You can find him at sportsgrind underscore Don. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, we're on Believe.com and part of the Believe Podcast Library. So make sure you check all of the podcasts out uh, that Believe offers. I promise you there's, there's definitely something there for you. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. Uh, Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.